welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy, this is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well. And how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Hey everyone, welcome back to the HA podcast. We have Shauna Cole on today. I'm so excited for you guys to hear um, her story. It has like a special place in my heart, which we're going to get to. I'm sure I'll share why I feel that way along the way. Um, But Shauna, welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Yes, we're so excited to have you here. Will you, you're here to share your recovery story. Um, I want you to just do that. Would you tell us uh, who you are, where you're from and 
where your story begins? Yeah. Um, so again, I'm Shauna, like Danny said, and um, I'm 27. I live in Kansas. So, you know, Midwest girl here. Um, I've lived here my whole life. And yeah, so I um, am 5'9", just to start off with. I've always been a very muscular, athletic build person. And I was an athlete. So all growing up, I swam. I was a collegiate swimmer. Actually, I was a D1 collegiate swimmer. Um, and I always had regular periods the whole time I was doing that, even though I was training like five hours a day in a pool. But again, I was swimming. I didn't care what I ate. I just went with it. Um, that being said, I look back now and of course in pictures like now I'm like, I was so thin. Like, why did I think I was big? But I always had kind of like this thought in my idea in my head that I was bigger than everyone else. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with my height. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I had a lot of very petite friends. <laughs> um, and a lot of my friends in elementary school grew up to be like cheerleaders and like flyers and things like that. And here I am this like in seventh grade, I'm five, seven and, um, ba a base or something like what, well, and I wasn't that? a cheerleader, but like, I oh, would have, okay. yeah, I was <laughs> swimming. I had huge broad shoulders. <laughs> like I would have been a great base with. Those <laughs> yeah. Shoulders. Yeah. Um, and so I think just, I always felt like I was bigger than everyone else. I grew early. Um, and of course that made me really good at swimming. Um, so there was a little bit of that kind of like, well, this makes me really good at this, but also I kind of don't like it. And I was taller than all the boys, uh, for a pretty long time until probably high school. <laughs> and then I was still taller than some of them. <laughs> and so that kind of was always in the back of my head. Um, my mom, I wouldn't say that she has like an eating disorder in any way, but she definitely like watches what she eats and like is an avid exerciser. And so that was also something that I saw modeled for me. And so again, I never had any issues with periods. I actually remember starting uh, my period as a, at a swim meet in seventh grade and I didn't know what it was. I was like, I'm like bleeding. Am I injured? <laughs> so um, and they were pretty regular all throughout until my senior year of college. Um, so my senior year of college, the summer before I was an intern at a large corporation, that's actually where I met my husband. And I wasn't training as much as I probably should have been going into my senior year. And so I was really only swimming like an hour a day, like casually by myself, very different from a collegiate swim practice. Um, and I started to gain weight because I was still eating like normal, you know, maybe like, honestly, like 4,000 calories a day. And so um, I decided since I only had one more swim season left till I was officially retired that I should learn how to eat like a normal adult and not a collegiate swimmer. And so, um, you know, I started like not eating dessert. I was like looking at like kind of like recipes for lower calorie things. And like with that, when I did make dessert, I made like the lower calorie desserts. Um, and I think, I don't know, maybe I lost five pounds of what I had gained back. So I was still having regular periods. It wasn't a huge thing. I could never fully commit to it because I just wasn't that invested in it, but I went back to college that final, um, year, my senior year. And I started back up 
into swim season and I kept trying to eat the way I was that past summer. So here I am trying to eat, you know, maybe 2000 calories a day, but I'm going back into my swim season where I swim 10,000 yards a day. And that's like four hours of swimming and some weights on top of it. And I never really weighed myself, but I could tell I was losing weight because my clothes were getting bigger. Um, and in a matter of three months, I lost 30 pounds um, and I didn't have 30 pounds to lose. So I lost a lot of muscle. Um, mm -hmm. I started swimming really poorly. Um, and it got to the point where, and I was sort of like kind of in denial the whole time. Like I was like, eh, I've lost like a little bit and, but whatever, but I was literally swimming times that I would have swam when I was like 12 years old. So I was really not swimming very well That's at all. So interesting. Did you have coaches be like, Hey, yeah. So at first, like, like when it first started losing a little bit, like people were like, you look awesome. Like, and I would get comments mm -hmm. like that. And then about a month later, when I was like starting to swim poorly and like you, obviously these people see me in a swimsuit every single day. So like, you can't hide anything. And um, I started to get more like, Hey, are you eating enough? Like, what'd you have for lunch today? And then it progressively, it got to the point where I was pulled aside, um, by my coaches. And they basically said that I had to gain weight in order to, um, finish the season and be able to swim at our conference mm -hmm. championship. So then of course, in my head, like this, like almost like switch flipped. Um, and I was like, I just let my body image issues ruin 17 years of like working towards this goal of mine. And again, I still had some competing thoughts, like maybe I just want to quit and like, they don't understand. And like, this is stupid and things like that. Um, but this kind of this, I was like, went into fix it mode. And I basically just started like stuffing food down my face for three weeks to try to gain weight. Um, and it worked. I mean, I didn't gain back to what I was before, but I probably gained a good 10 pounds and I swam at conference. And amazingly enough, I, I didn't drop time in any way, but I was like, not too bad. Like I made finals. I scored some points. So like, I would have got back to where yeah, you were, yeah, you so, probably weren't as good as you could have been. No, had you not had absolutely that not. Like I, I wasn't going best times or anything, but I was back to the point where I was like, like people were like, she looks like a D one swimmer again. Like mm. she like is actually performing at a level that's acceptable. <laughs> that's nice. Um, <laughs> well, Hey, that's, uh, that's youth for you. Yes. So I went on, um, in the middle of this time frame, as I went, when I went on birth control and I went on birth control because I was still getting a period, but I was getting like horrible periods, which now I'm like, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Um, <laughs> so we went on birth control and I was dating my now husband and we like knew it was going to progress towards like getting engaged and things like that. So we were, my, my mom and I were like, it's probably a good idea to get on birth control. Um, and as soon as I went on birth control, like nothing, mm. um, shut down. And I, the doctor, like I was always expressing concerns about it. And every time a doctor would just be like, well, it's just the kind you're on. Most people don't have a period with, which ah. I, I have actually looked, that is very common for the kind yeah, I was on. that makes me wonder what's going on with that one. Um, it's called low estrogen. It's a very low estrogen pill. 
And so people either get light periods or a lot of times they don't build up enough of the, the lining to shed. And obviously they're not ovulating, but you know what I mean? So I just, but I just went with it for the next like five years. Um, when I quit swimming, I kind of moved more into running and I started training for marathons and I would run like six miles a day before work. Um, and to me, that wasn't weird because I used to swim four hours a day. So like to me, like an hour of exercise a day was not strange. Um, and I never like, I had put on weight during that time and kind of got back to where I had been before I had lost that 30 pounds in college. So my body was shaped differently because I had lost muscle and, you know, composition had changed, but I was probably back to around the same size. Granted, that's the same size as someone who swims four hours a day and was a collegiate athlete. And I was now like working in a corporate office, like trying to be an adult. So um, I didn't really think that there was a problem there. I didn't really have a lot of like food rules in any sense. I mean, like I was careful, I would say somewhat careful about like desserts and things like that, but it was mainly the addiction, like to exercise and feeling like I had to do that every day to start my day. And that had slowly, like we moved, I took a new job. I became a teacher. I, all these things, I went through a master's program and I slowly kind of had cut down a little bit on the running and again, I'm kind of getting back more to that size. Like I kind of was for a long time. So I didn't think there was an issue. Um, but I always in the back of my head had some like body image issues and always thought that I was large. And so I had been married for three and a half, three years. Yes. Three years. And I got off birth control. This was like right at the start of COVID. So that would have been 2020, right? Or would have been 2021. Oh, you just cut out. I can't hear you. There you go. I said, would what exactly be 2021? I'm trying to think what year I got off birth control. Oh, okay. um, but well, I, one or the other. Yeah, 2020 or 2021. I've been married for about three years. We decided we wanted to start in a couple of months trying to have kids. So I got off birth control with the idea that my period would come back and mm -hmm. we'd be able to start trying to get pregnant. Um, and I got off and within a month and they tell you to wait three months, you know, to like get any tests done. Cause right. I'd been on it for so long and they were like, it's going to take a while for your hormones to get back. And I got some spotting. I got a little bit of cervical mucus. Like I got some things that were kind of like my hormones were trying to work, but they weren't. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, everyone just kept telling me like, you're just really stressed out. Maybe you need to decrease the exercise just a little bit. Um, but in the back of my head, I just knew that like, it was a larger problem than that. And I think one that kind of stems from the anxiety of like, I'm going to have trouble getting pregnant. But I also think I just knew like this was an issue. Um, and so that's when I started like digging in and kind of becoming obsessive about like HA recovery and like what I needed to do and all these things. I found a dietitian um, and I was having a lot of bad GI symptoms when I got mm -hmm. off the pill. Um, and so we were sort of like, we probably need to solve some of these GI issues. 
Um, and she was sort of like, actually like running in the morning fasted is really bad for your digestive system. And yeah, like the other way around. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> she, we, without necessarily coming from like an HA recovery approach, like we went at it more of like a, she was just overall like health wise, what are some things I needed yeah. to change? So, um, I started eating a lot more in the morning. Um, I did not work out in the morning anymore. I was still jogging like a little bit, but it was like a walk run jog for like 30 minutes. Um, and I kind of, I changed what I ate, tried to get a lot of healthy fats in there because I did not eat very much fat. I had a lot of protein and carb in there. Um, tried things like that. I actually did like the low FODMAP diet for a little bit, um, to kind of, and went through, um, actually had SIBO, um, and I went through kind of some protocol for that, um, which sounds like it would decrease how much I ate, but we were working to increase it. So it didn't, um, and I did that and I felt a lot better. And again, I was getting some spotting. I was getting some things like my hormones were trying, but I had not had any sort of like period yet. And then, um, I'm a teacher. I was also in the middle of coaching season. I was the head coach of the swim team. And so like we had state, we have all these things coming up. I was really busy. And so then, um, and the dietitian was like, I have a feeling when summer hits, you're going to get a period. And so two weeks before summer started, I was like, I'm going to quit running for two weeks and just walk the dog and do nothing else and see what happens. Um, and two weeks later, literally two days after school got out, period arrived. Period. Yeah. That's yeah. fun. It's fun how in tune you can get with what, um, like you can, you can kind of sense it when you've seen it enough when someone's yeah. going, going to get it. Yeah. So I got one, it was like the beginning of summer and I was so excited, but it was very mm -hmm. light. Um, it almost made me more nervous. Like, cause I was like, now nah, I have to get another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I knew like, I mean, like we could start trying, like we could have unprotected sex, but I knew we weren't going to get pregnant. Like, I was like, that's, it's not like really possible yet. Um, so then I got like, I started taking my temperature. I went all into the fertility awareness method, researching all the things I got a temp drop band, and um, that was like my birthday present. <laughs> um, hey, why not? And I started tracking and about four weeks later and I, through this time, like I was just walking, I was keeping up with all the things the dietitian was having me do. I actually found a, like a fertility dietitian and did like some testing on some vitamins and minerals and things in my body that were a little off. So I started taking some targeted supplements to try to help with that. Um, went on a prenatal, things like that, um, tried to just get a ton of sleep. And I had added in some like light weightlifting and like with the walking, but I was not back to running. Um, you also have to remember, like I was a teacher. So it was in the summertime, like if I don't do any exercise, like I literally don't do anything because I don't leave my house. Like there's not a lot of walking in there. So like the walk wasn't in the grand scheme of thing, like that much activity. Um, and so then I remember I went to a teaching conference and I went to the bathroom and I just saw like a ton of cervical mucus. Mm. And I was like, I think I'm ovulating. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay. And of course, when I had periods like way back that my whole life, like I didn't, 
I probably wiped and was like, ew, what is that? Like, I yeah, you're just yeah. like, oh no, something's wrong. <laughs> right. So like, this was never something I like, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like what I've read about. And I saw it for like three days in a row and my temperature went up because I had the, you know, the temp drop with me. And, but I had like a five day luteal phase. Yeah, it's pretty common. And I was like, really sad about it. <laughs> and um, I was like, oh my gosh, we can never get pregnant. Never. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh yes. And I, who I am, you know, then I, I'm researching all of the things I, I, by this point I've researched IVF, I've researched IVF clinics in our, like, um, and I know people listening to this are like, is, hasn't it really only been like five or six months? Yeah. It only been like five or six months since I went off the pill, but I, I I don't think anyone's thinking that (laughs) I think think everyone's like, yeah, duh. And so, and of course, like my mom and all, like people in my life are more rational than that. And they're like, sure. Yeah. It's like, they're like, you've had like two periods. Like you got to give it some time, girl. You didn't have them for six years. Like, (laughs) and so throughout this time, like I've like, I got referred to this OB. I went to the OB and she tried to tell me that I had PCOS and all these things because I had irregular periods. And I was like, no, I have irregular periods because I had HA. And now I'm like going through puberty again, mm-hmm. but she was just, no. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to that OB again. Found a different OB, went to her and I was like, is it normal that now my periods are really irregular and told her the whole history. She actually listened to me and she was like, yeah, totally normal. Yeah. She was like, oh, yeah. yeah, your body's like figuring it out. Like, she's like, really? There's like, it, it could take a year. Like, she's like, it's, you just got to keep. Definitely. Um, and so I was like, okay, this lady actually listened to me. So that's my OB now, like same person. (laughs) And, um, so we're around like August, you know, I get another period. So now we're, we're at three August, 2021. Yes. Yes. Yeah. August, 2021. Um, so I get another period again, my luteal phases are just short, um, Mm. seven or eight days, uh, not, you know, I was really trying to get to that 10 day mark where it's even like possible maybe. <laughs> and so I'm still working with this fertility dietitian. Um, and she's like, you just got to give it time. She's like, it's going to like the changes you make now affect you like three months from now. And so I'm, I keep going. Um, and I, when I had got my first period, I had really only gained like five pounds, um, mm. And by this point, I was more like hitting the 20 pound because I just kept doing all the same things because I was like, I want to get pregnant. And I'm sure like I, I, if I had not had the goal of wanting to get pregnant right away, I think I could have probably like still done a little bit of exercise, still just really calmly, sure. like waited a long time and eventually like things would have. Um, but I was like, I want to get pregnant right now. And I was obsessed with it. I cried like about it all the time. I researched IVF all the time. Um, I looked at adoption, like everything. And I, again, this is like, I had three periods and it's only August and I went off the pill in January, but I was already telling myself, like we could never get pregnant. And I, my husband is one of six kids and three of those couples were pregnant and got pregnant during this time. And my sis, one of my sister-in-laws on my side, my brother's wife also got pregnant. So I was like, every family gathering was like, 
very triggering to me. I wanted to be happy for them. I wanted to have joy for them, but like, it was like, we would get a phone call from one of the couples and I'd be like, they're probably pregnant. They're probably telling us they're pregnant. Sure. Yeah. Um, Okay. Wow. So it was kind of like, it was being thrown in my face a lot. Um, so then, um, we get about to like September and I go back to the OB and at this point, like I had met with Nicola Rinaldi. Um, and I don't remember when I started talking to you particularly, I know I was, um, listening to your podcast, but I don't remember when I was actually like your client. Cause I was your client for like three months, but I don't remember. See, uh, you came into my sphere in November, Okay. early November. So like September, I think is when I like September, August is when I had some conversations with Nicola Rinaldi who wrote no period. Now what? Um, and she was like, yeah, sounds like you're ovulating and you're having short luteal phases. And she was like, um, kind of gave some suggestions that if I wanted to try to like, um, I don't even remember what they're called now. My gosh. What are the two drugs that help with ovulation? Oh, Clomid. Yeah. And letrozole. She was like, you could try one of those. Um, and so I did try Clomid once, um, didn't really have any side effects from it. I did it. And then I ovulated, um, and it, I think I had, I don't know, like a nine day luteal phase. So it didn't really help me out there. Um, and she was like, you could try bioidentical progesterone. Um, and my OB the whole time was just sort of like, yeah, if you want to try it, sure. (laughs) And like, she was like, why not? (laughs) And so, um, I actually filled a script for letrozole instead of Clomid. Um, and some bioidentical progesterone that you would insert vaginally. Um, and I ended up not taking the letrozole and I was like, I'm just going to let myself ovulate. And then once I know I've ovulated, I'll take the progesterone, um, and take it for 12 days and then take a test. Um, so I did that. It, it did what it was supposed to in furthering my luteal phase. Um, I had like a 14 day luteal phase cause that's when I stopped taking the progesterone. Um, so I was not pregnant. I took a test. I remember being really sad. Cause I was like, this is the first time it's actually possible. And this whole time, obviously I'm tracking ovulation with, um, my temperatures I'm tracking with ovulation predictor strips, um, all of those things. And so I remember being really, really upset. And then we were sort of like, let's just like, let's not like we still tried the next month, but we were like, let's not take anything. Let's just, it was like getting up on Christmas. Um, and I think this is kind of around the time I started talking with you. Um, and we were trying to put like, um, like more root vegetables. I remember was something we were working on and like protein and we weren't really really, dialing in. Yeah. Like we weren't really changing like a whole lot if I'm being honest, like it was like fine tuning some things. Like I remember you being like, I mean, you're like doing it. You just need a little help to get to the finish line. Mm -hmm. Um, you were really more like my therapist when I talked to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, so I, I kept doing those things. I was putting more protein in, trying to get root vegetables, trying to have more like variety. Cause again, my type anus really likes to eat the same things over and over again. And also just trying to kind of like relax a little bit. 
Um, and so like I had quit coaching by this point. So I was just teaching. My exercise was pretty tame, a little bit of some light dumbbells and like walking, things like that. Um, so I was still like active, but it was like a low key active. Um, you know, I had to buy all new clothes like two times because I went up like two large jumps and clothing sizes. You know, I had to really like I had some meltdowns in there about how my body looked and things like that. Um, but I was pretty committed. I was going to do anything it took to get pregnant. Um, and so we actually ended up um, making a consultation appointment at a fertility clinic um, because in the midst of this and like me starting to actually have, uh, I think I had one luteal phase that was like 10 or 11 days on my own with no progesterone. And we were like, oh my gosh. But again, I wasn't pregnant. The period came. And yeah. so we ended up like I had called around for fertility clinics and I had an appointment on, I think it was like very early March in 2022. Um, or maybe it was February. No, it was March. Okay. Um, it was actually, I remember it was March 3rd. I'm up and I will tell you why I remember the exact date in just a second. Okay. Um, so on March 3rd, we had our, finally got into the fertility clinic. I had called for appointments like three months before then, like before Christmas. And so I was like nervously awaiting, um, they did a semen analysis. They sat down with they, we were there for three hours. Um, we met with the doctor, we, we were with a nurse practitioner and she did an ultrasound with the stick where they stick it in there. Kind of felt like they were driving a stick shift, um, down in my, <laughs> and she was like, looks like you ovulated, which I had, I knew. Um, and she was like, they were basically like, okay, you really only had like a couple of periods where this was possible was really what they were telling us. And they were like, and like really there's only like a 20% chance each side. Like they were, they were very like, you don't have infertility, but I understand that you might want some help because this has taken like been a really long process. Um, so that was reassuring that they were like, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just like this might take you a little bit of time. And so mm -hmm. they were like, why don't you consider doing some IUIs? Um, that way, like, it's a little more like we're really timing everything correctly. We'll put you on probably letrozole and some progesterone afterwards. And we'll see if after a couple of those, like you're pregnant. And so we were like, okay. Um, and that was kind of the plan. And they told us that on, this was a Thursday and they told us after I got my period to call next week and, um, I would come in and do all the tests that I'm supposed to do right at the beginning of the cycle. Um, and so that, that was Thursday and I was 10 days, um, past ovulation at that point. And on Saturday morning, so 12 days, I woke up and I did not have my period yet. And so I took a pregnancy test and I saw the faintest line that you probably could ever see on a pregnancy test. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was I'm sure like, I have a photo of it somewhere. I was like, <laughs> what is there a line right there? Uh, yeah um and again it was so early in the morning and it was it was like five in the morning and my husband mm. was still asleep and I literally woke him up and instead of being like oh my gosh I'm pregnant I was like can you look at something <laughs> 
And yeah. my husband is like the calm to my storm. And like, he's like, okay. And he like looks at it and he said, that's definitely a line. What does that mean? And I was like, well, it's supposed to mean I'm pregnant, but I feel like I don't believe that. <laughs> and so sure, sure. Um, we I remember we like had a family thing that day. We went to the family thing. Um, and I like basically was like freaking out the whole time. Like I was happy, but I was kind of freaking out, even at the possibility that it was even remotely possible that I could get pregnant. And this was a family function with his side. So there's, you know, three pregnant ladies there um who all know that i'm struggling with this and are very sweet about it but also like this is an exciting time in their life and they they talk about it right so then you sit there and you're like this sucks um so that's not their fault like they, they were very sweet to me but also like they have the right to talk about things happening in their life and so i like lied and said that i really needed to go do some grading because again teacher and so I like took the car and one of my husband's brothers drove him home later. And I went to the grocery store and I literally bought like every form of a pregnancy test that you could buy. Um, and I, again, like this is later in the day. So your urine's more diluted, but I've kept seeing little lines pop up. And I finally like peed on the one that says pregnant or not pregnant. And it said pregnant. And I was like, and, um, I think my mom yeah. had our, our, my, I basically drove her to my mom's house. She had our dog. I think she was grooming him because she does that for us. And mm -hmm. so I drove over there, like I was going to pick him up and I took the pregnancy test and I was like, can I talk to you? Cause my dad was in the room and she goes, mm -hmm. okay. And <laughs> I showed it to her and she was like, oh my gosh. And I, and she said, are you so happy? And I said, I'm terrified. Yeah. And she was like, what? And I went, she was yeah. like, this is what, and I was like, because at this point I had listened to infertility podcasts. I knew all of the things like I was like, well, I yep. could miscarry. I was like, this could not even be a baby. Something else could have been planted that didn't actually, like, I was like going through all the things that could happen, like, and how, like, I shouldn't be excited basically. You're like, this is definitely ectopic. Yeah. Like I was like, <sighs> oh my gosh, like this will, this isn't, this isn't real. And it's just going to be traumatic and all the things. And so um, I didn't really let my husband be excited, which I feel bad about now. Um. Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing and these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today. So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. 
And it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery. So to get the checklist, all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you. You can print it off and you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and it will be waiting for you there. And my OB is so nice. So literally like this was Saturday, right? I also told my grandma, cause she's my grandma, my mom, and my husband are the two people that like knew it all. Like we're there when I'm breaking down crying and all those things yeah. about it. So, um, I, that, that was Saturday. I like sent a message to the fertility clinic because I was like, oh my gosh, maybe they'll let me do some early tests like they do with fertility clinic patients. And they were like, well, you got pregnant on your own. So like, oh, <laughs> they were, they were, they were sort of like, you well, don't you, need us. You fine. haven't like done the treatment yet. Like, yeah. They were like, you're, 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 you're kind of out now. They were like, congrats, but like, no, that's so funny. <laughs> and that's I was always like, the absolute best feeling. I think that's one of the reasons that, um, I love your story and all of the many, right. That are similar is like, you you went down the route you were about to to get the treatment but you kind of kept going like just in case Uh you know and well and I like really wanted them to want me to come in and they were like no sorry you need to get up your OB's (laughs) office and so I like messaged my OB and I'm like I was about to like go to the fertility like we went to the fertility clinic we're about Mm -hmm. to start treatments and like I have a positive pregnancy test like what and she was like okay come in for an appointment And so she literally got me in that Monday. So I'm legitimately four weeks pregnant. Yeah. And she's, she was like, all right, let's do our prenatal stuff. Like she, you know, like, she's like, let's get your blood tested. Let's do all the things. Um, she got my HCG level back. It was very normal for like a four week pregnant person. Um, and she was like, we can't do an ultrasound to at least like she, she had a level. I don't remember what the level was, but she wanted it to be a certain level of HCG before I could get the ultrasound. So she wasn't like, you have to wait till eight weeks. She She was like, probably just wanted to make sure they were doubling. Yes. And, and she knows that I'm like extremely type A and kind of neurotic. Um, and so (laughs) she was like, and you can come back once a week until then to test your HCG. Sure. So that's literally exactly what I did. Um, I went back, I think like three days later and got it tested and it had doubled and I went back the next week and the week after that, she was out of town and they told me I couldn't come. Um, so I went to a private lab to have it done because again, I'm a little bit crazy. And my husband was like, are you serious? Um, and by this point I was taking a couple pregnancy tests every day. Like I like had to take a pregnancy test to remind myself that I was pregnant. Um, uh, yes. And I would line them up on the bathroom counter and my husband would come in and be like, can we throw these away? Oh. <laughs> um, Bless. at least I finally ordered some cheap ones off Amazon to continue to do that because he was like, you have to stop spending this much money on pregnancy tests. Like he was like, you're pregnant, please stop. 
Um, and so at seven weeks, I finally had the appointment. Oh, there was one at one point at school. I did throw up three times um, in the hallway. Luckily, it was during a passing. It was not during passing period. So at that point, I was like, oh, I'm getting pregnancy symptoms. And I ended up having to take a day off work because I was so nauseous. Um, so that was before the ultrasound. The following week at seven weeks and two days, I think we had our first ultrasound um, and I was so nervous um, and I had already looked up like, okay, if you see the heartbeat and it's this at seven weeks, like what's the percentage of miscarriage, which it's, it is pretty low after that. Um, and she looked great. Um, you saw like it kind of, she kind of looked like a little squirrel um, and she had like a heart rate of like 150 something. Um, and they were, they were pretty much like, that's kind of it, but like, congratulations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we had our little pictures at that point. Um, we told like our family members, um, like his, my husband's parents and like our brothers and sisters and things like that. And again, like these were people that like several of them cried for us cause they were so excited and they were like, wait, seriously. Yeah. Um, because they knew like they, I was telling them like, we're going to a fertility clinic. I'm really struggling with this. Like, it's really hard for me. Um, did you also tell them like did, those people who knew about the fertility clinic, do you tell them like, and, and I did this without the treatment? Yeah. Well, my brother, it was really funny because I had called my brother after the fertility clinic appointment and I wanted him to know like, Hey, I'm going to start going through this and I need you to know, and I don't really need you to say anything. I just need you to like, know this is going on. And he was so sweet. Um, and that was on Thursday. And then, so this is a couple of weeks later. And I said, I'm pregnant. I, I found, I got found out I was pregnant two days after that appointment when I called you. And he said, like on your own. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And he said, like, without any drugs. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay. And then like, he told his wife and then she just like starts crying. No. Um, so it was very sweet. And she was like, I told you this would happen. Um, I knew all along. Yeah, yeah, people. And so um, I was very like, let's not tell like people outside our family until I'm like 14 weeks or whatever. I wanted to get through the first trimester. And I was like, always looking up, like, what's the chance of miscarriage and things like that. Um, and I'm a really strong believer. Um And something that's like consistent in my testimony with my relationship with God is like, I keep trying to take control of things back. Um, And I feel like this was a time when God was like, you gave this to me and I answered your prayer. Like, you got to stop taking it back. Like, you got to let me have it. Um, And so, yeah. So then um, I think we did like a private ultrasound at like 16 weeks because again, it had been seven weeks and I wasn't getting another one. Oh, I got one at 10 weeks. I remember because they tried to do the um, Doppler, but they couldn't find her because mm. she was still too low. So then I was like freaking out. I like cried in the OB's office. Yeah. Then <laughs> we got like, an well, Okay. Well, ultrasound then. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I can't so- imagine many women are going to walk out of there. Not <laughs> Like, yeah. I, I'm not leaving till you find it. Yeah. And so then, and she was, my OB was like, that's super common. Like you're only 10 weeks. She's not yeah, like out yet. Hiding. Yeah. yeah. She was like, we'll go do an ultrasound, but I had to wait an hour and a half for the ultrasound. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started crying in the OB's office. And my husband was like, it's going to be okay. Uh, poor man. He's been through it all. 
so um we and then we saw her at 10 weeks um we did like a private one at 16 weeks to find out the gender and we found out it was a girl um and obviously they don't tell you anything about her health um and then we had our 20 week appointment and she looked great mm -hmm. um so like at this point like I was like I'm having a baby yeah. <laughs> but like I was even like we didn't really like get to town on the nursery until I was like in my third trimester mm -hmm. like I was very like kind of that like almost like infertility mindset like I almost didn't want to like accept it if that makes sense mm -hmm. um my students were so cute like they brought me presents they were so excited um so yeah that so that was pregnancy and I um went all the way up until five days past my due date and I was induced they would have let me gone a couple more days but I was not very comfortable and I was also having a lot of anxiety like I've wanted this baby for so long and I need to know she's okay like I need to see her like I don't like I almost felt like like even though technically I feel like they're actually more safe in your belly like <laughs> I felt like I just was like I need to know she's real like that sounds really weird as like a 40 week pregnant person obviously I was very pregnant and I would I felt her all the time but I was I like needed her out of my body um and looking back like that was very irrational of me but again there's that like anxiety component um and wanting to control the situation um so she came I was induced um, and she came and she got here and she was a little thing, seven pounds, one ounce. Um, and I had a really, really hard time my first month postpartum. Um, I would, I tell people that the first four weeks, like I was pretty much not sane. Um, I couldn't sleep when she was sleeping because I was too worried um, about the next like breastfeeding session not going well or um, like, was she okay? And like, I was like almost like scared of my baby, if that makes sense. Like I was so nervous to breastfeed that like my husband or my mom sat with me for the first week at every single time I breastfed her. Like I never did it by myself. Um, and so I had a lot of anxiety about that. And I think that was me putting a lot of pressure on myself to try to make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, and seeing it as like a, my value as a mom or a person was how well I could make that work. Um, turns out, um, I actually struggle with oversupply and that's an issue I'm having to deal with right now and was causing a lot of the issues we were having. Um, <laughs> so that's a whole nother battle. Um, and it just kind of throughout this process, I've realized one, and I said this before we hit record, like that person that had to wake up at 5am and run six miles before her work day and count her calories and needed to be a size, whatever, um, wouldn't have survived that first month because I had to go through a whole year of letting go of control. And I still really, really struggled. Um, and I still have moments where I really, really struggle. Like, when I feel like we're off like her schedule or whatever, I'm mm -hmm. like, she needs to eat right now, or she needs to take a nap or she needs. And then I have to be like, it's fine. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Like it's, it's totally fine. If she's off her schedule, she might be a little mm -hmm. fussy, but like, we'll get through it. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you're going to get screamed at. 
Right. Like, and I, and I <laughs> had to also learn, like, it's so not, I'm like, I just leave my baby to cry, but I had to learn, like, she's fine. Yeah. Like if she's a little fussy, like, but I've met all her needs. Like she's eaten, she's yeah. changed. She's like, I tried to hold her and comfort her, like all gone down the list. Like sometimes she's just going to be mad. <laughs> what, yeah. What I love about this, and I know where you're going with it, with like, uh, you kind of can't, if you don't work through or at least understand your anxieties now, uh, it makes parenting much more difficult. And like what you're kind of explaining here where you have gone through the list, we've done the things, everything is fine and on track. She's crying because she's tired. Yeah. You know, um, it's like, it's kind of the same with recovery where you're like, just constantly checking. I've done all the things. Okay. Yeah. Can't and like, stay calm just and like on. with recovery, like you just like, you, you can only control what you can control. Like you can't go in your body and like make your hormones do things. Um, and honestly, like that is sort of like the, my, I feel like I'm almost experiencing recovery again through like this breastfeeding journey. Um, because it's a lot of like, obviously breastfeeding is like supply and demand, but there's a lot of hormones in there too. Um, and my body just doesn't want to get the message that it doesn't need to make enough milk for like two babies. Um, and I've had mastitis and it was terrible. Um, and I, you know, I've gone through nursing, I've gone through trying to exclusively pump and give bottles. I've gone through, maybe I don't want to do this anymore, but it's going to take a long time to wean because I make a lot of milk. Um, I have gone through a lot of phases with that. And if I'm being honest, like that almost became like my new obsession. Like it went from HA recovery to then like being pregnant and wondering if she was okay. Um, to now like breastfeeding and all the things about breastfeeding and how to fix this issue and meeting with lactation consultants and all of those things. Um, and at the end of the day, like I have to remind myself every day, like there's always going to be one more thing. Um, and that may not sound like that helpful or hopeful to people, but like HA recovery, isn't like the last hard thing you're going to go through and like getting pregnant, isn't going to solve all those things. Um, and yes, like, am I a hundred percent? Like, I'm so glad I went through that. I'm so glad I have my daughter and there's a whole testimony in that, but like something my mom always tells me is like, even after the breastfeeding things done, like, then you're going to worry about something else. And then you're going to worry about my mama else. is always worried about my 40 year old brother <laughs> and like what he's got going on. And like, he's the problem child. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I'm like, okay. So it doesn't stop ever. Yeah. <laughs> so I think like just, yes, like if you want a baby right now, or you really want your period or to ovulate or whatever, like something I just like I'm learning over and over again is like, I personally, with my personality, that type A perfectionist personality, like I'm always going to have that thing. And I have to learn to like, kind of let go, like do the, do the steps, follow the plan to, to fix it or to work on it. But like, you get, you got to live your life. You gotta, you gotta let it go. Um, so I'm, I'm preaching to myself when I say that, but yeah, yeah. that's my story. Yeah, it's such a great story because uh, when you sort of said how we we just talked a lot, right? Because yeah, you were 
all these things you're talking about, like the anxiety, the fear. Um, yeah, it, it was super intense for you and you were having like a lot of hard days for the years in which you were kind of working through mm-hmm. all of this stuff. Um, and I think it just like getting the photo from you of the baby was just like, not to put it simply, but you know, my thoughts were, oh, I can't believe it's been this long. Uh-huh. You know, when you, when you, when you think about all of the pain and the worry and the tears, look where it ended up. It worked yeah. out, you know, it's like um, in the moment, it just doesn't feel like you'll get there. It just doesn't feel, and I feel that, you know, like I, I kind of feel, go through, and right. I feel what the person is feeling. And that's just what I, what I want to feel um, to, to experience it. So I got to have a little bit of that for you, for you as well, that I'm sure you felt when you saw her and you were like, oh, you know, like you just ran a <laughs> marathon and you finally get to like bend over and breathe. Um, which was you all the way up until the end. Um, yeah. You probably needed to see her cry. And then you were like, okay, we're good. Well, then I was uh, like, what am I doing? Minutes. How do I be a parent? Yeah, for five <laughs> minutes. And then you're like, wait, is she latching? No, you know? Yeah, you know, I get you. I feel I feel you. But, um, and, you know, you were so close for a long time. And I think mm-hmm. like uh, those are my, some of my favorite, favoritest clients, honestly, um, I find those people most interesting where it's like, hey, you've done the big rocks. You've moved the big stones. You've gained that weight. You've, what's what's holding us back? And I don't know if we can ever always know unless we literally changed only one thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, but the the feeling I get was like your, and why your story is important is yes, there were probably little things here and there that we did to, to sort of help bring you up closer that we know are science backed. So we do them, but everything you were just describing before, which is like, I need, I'm going to find a way to navigate my anxiety and stop having it navigate me. And I'm going to like take pause every time this comes up and review the steps and sort of, I I know that I'm feeling anxiety. I know that I'm having irrational thoughts. And I think we all have, we we definitely all have that. And being able to spot them and see them for what they are is really the only way to move forward or else you will believe everything you're feeling. And that's Mm -hmm. where the spiraling happens because you believe that it's true instead of just, instead of realizing that it's, um, just like a story most of the mm-hmm. time and ca- taking control of the stories so that you can actually like so you can actually write your narrative right is so inspiring I think a lot of people struggle with anxiety you know it's a very common symptom with people with hormonal issues it's like very strongly linked to lack of estrogen things like that so for whatever reason someone has anxiety there's probably a lot of people listening And so what would, you've already said a lot that I think is helpful, but for those who are going through this and experiencing that anxiety every day, every minute, they check their underwear and they, (laughs) yeah, I've been there. (laughs) What what would you like to tell them? I think I would just say, and I've repeated it and 
on this end, it's helpful. Like one, you can't change your hormones in a day. It takes time. Um, and I, I, I'm on the other side and I'm talking about a different hormone now, but I have to remind myself that every day. Um, and to like, you're going to get there. And I remember we had this conversation so many times because I would spiral to the worst case scenario. And you were like, so what's the worst case scenario? And I was like, I can never get pregnant. And you were like, so then what would you do? And I was like, well, I could try IVF or, or we could adopt or we, and she was like, and you were kind of like, and would you be happy? And I was like, well, eventually. Yeah. I remember this. And just to think about that and, and am I glad I went through it? Like I'm on the other side and that year and a half, like, I mean, it, it sucked. It did. I had so many family members that were pregnant. I had so many friends that were pregnant. Um, I felt like people didn't understand. And I felt like I wasn't necessarily like thin enough to have this problem. Um, and I felt like, because also I was so close for so long, like it didn't take me very long to get my period back, but to get it to the point where it was optimal to actually get pregnant took a lot of work. Um, and I would always read those stories about like, I'd even listen to your podcast and it'd be like someone just like ovulated and got pregnant, like without getting, like they, they put in the work for like, you know, three months and then just like got pregnant and they would like, I would have to turn off the podcast. Cause I was like triggered by it. Like yeah, it just, some of them, me... some of them are like, I don't relate to this. Yeah. Yeah. And so for those people that are just like in the thick of it and they're constantly trying, um, like, I know what that feels like, whether you're wanting a baby or whether you're just like wanting whatever your goal is there. Um, and you're gonna find like, your life is going to find the place that it should be at, um, whether you're a believer or not. Um, but whatever, whatever you believe in, like, it's gonna find where you should be and like patience and patience for a type a HA type person is the thing we lack the most. Um, but even when you get to that destination, whatever it is, whether that's having a baby, whether that's like just having regular cycles and getting back to exercise. Um, if, for example, if you're that person, like you're going to go back to exercise and you're, you might have a month where you are a little messed up and you got to figure out and take a step yeah. back and, and yeah, or like your postpartum story, or when I eventually am to a point where I might have a period postpartum, like am I going to be back in like full H? No, but I'm going to have to take some time to like adjust where my body is and be patient. Um, and not, and just give yourself some grace. Um, and that baby steps are okay. They are. okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. And to take the pressure off, like you don't have to be perfect. I really appreciate that. I feel like it's coming up a lot right now in like conversations I'm having. So I I completely agree that like, it's okay that, you know, you made like, you got, you got one extra day on your luteal phase this month, or Mm -hmm. that it was the same this month, or that it maybe even was a day shorter. Like Mm -hmm. it's okay. It's not about day to day, month to month. It's kind of about like, what am I doing consistently when I zoom out? How is that looking? Um, and then focusing, guess one day at a time in terms of what can I do today to best serve me. But in terms of like, like deciding if you get a gold star or not today, 
you know, that, that kind of thing isn't helping. I think, and this isn't like, I I think everyone should recover um, and work on those things. But I think something my mom said to me was actually really helpful. I, it was a moment when I was crying and I couldn't get pregnant. And I was like, I can't do the one thing my body was made to do. And I might cry when I say this, but she was like, that is not what you were made to do. Like you were not made to reproduce. You were not made to have periods. Your period doesn't define whether or not you ovulated or you're like, she's like, that doesn't define your worth as a person. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think sometimes I just like sit in that. Like, I'm just like my ability to reproduce or have a baby or breastfeed or anything that you're putting pressure on. Like, that's not where your worth is. So wherever you are in this journey, like keep working towards your goal, but don't find your identity in that. And it's hard when that's all your focus is. Like Mm -hmm. every time you go to the bathroom, you're checking for cervical mucus, you're checking your temperature every morning. It's the first thing you do and things like that. But like, don't let it control your brain. I remember at one point you were like, you need to listen to some different podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, let's just true crime. Like, let's, yeah, you were like, you need to like not research this anymore. And if I'm being honest, like my lactation consultant literally said, stop following like breastfeeding accounts on Instagram. Like she was like, girl, just like do what we're talking about and stop like researching. Stop. Like she's like, live your life. This is just one component of it. Um, so, and I'm assuming a lot of people that listen to this are just like me. So Take yes. the pressure off. Don't let it be your identity. Totally. Choose, like, yeah, it's like put a boundary up, right? Because I know if you stop, if you stop researching completely, you know, sometimes again, baby steps, you're like, oh, but you know, can you, can you choose like the one podcast that you like, or mm-hmm. can you, I don't know if you do have a coach or work with someone, you know, can you keep it to like that one hour conversation that you're right. having per week or whatever it is and sort of put that boundary up say okay this is my opportunity to check in and and see how I feel like I'm going but then I step back so that way you don't feel like you're out of control of the process right because right that's really scary but you are lightening the reins up a lot and that's very freeing because uh hyper focusing and hyper um consuming this stuff is very overstimulating as well. Yes. And really you're that like, that is just replacing the obsession, right? Like my obsession with exercise was replaced with my obsession of getting pregnant was replaced. Like that's like, honestly, the cycle that needs to be broken so that you don't end up in HA again. Mm -hmm. Totally. So good. Congratulations. Thank you. On all that you have achieved. And thank you for being so honest about the, struggles and yeah not not necessarily romanticizing how quickly everything happened I think that um it's a very relatable story and people will really appreciate it yeah I'm glad to share it it's something I'm like passionate about but um I don't I only meet people on the internet that like I'd never actually met someone in my my day-to-day circle um but I'm kind of like an open book about it when people ask but still people today will be like, when do you want a second kid? And I just kind of look at them and I'm like, do you remember anything about this story? (laughs) I'm like, I mean, we'd like one, but like, I'm not in control of that. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I mean, I asked you, (laughs) but but I could could imagine, I could totally imagine you being like, yeah, I have a plan. (laughs) 
So in my defense, <laughs> that is one area that I'm like, I can't plan it. Like, like yeah, I have learned, sure. like, I'm like that whole, I tried to be in control of that. I did yeah. all the things to be in control of it. And I wasn't so, sure. you know, J- Jake and I, we, I think we're pretty sure we're going to only have one. Um, and that's okay. Like, uh, you know, you never say never and you never right. know, but, um, I'm like actively giving everything away because I found oh, myself okay. being like, uh, oh, well, if I, if I keep it in storage yeah, on the maybe that's essentially saying, like yes, I plan probably. to use this. Yeah. I, I like, I think, you know, what, what my actions show and for everything, what my actions show actually show my intentions. Mm-hmm. and it's like I was saying I don't think we're gonna have another one but I was like I might keep this yeah just like, in case no I you know I think we're only gonna have one and I'm going to act as if because baby stuff is really easy to come by because everyone's trying to get rid of their baby stuff so it's like you know what it's not a big deal but right now I am good <laughs> and Zara's how old 18 months just oh my god she had her doctor's appointment this morning she is um she's so short to the level that they're like (laughs) really if she doesn't doesn't grow we'll get some stuff checked out but (laughs) that's not funny sorry i'm laughing (laughs) it is funny it is funny because her head and weight and everything are are fine so that just her stature is She's just um, super short. That's hilarious. I realized my child is only 12 weeks old, but she is one long baby. Like yeah. she outgrows clothes this way, not this way. Um, mm. And every well, time, tall, so. yeah. And my husband's six two and I'm five nine. So it makes yeah. sense. But like, she is, every time I send a picture to someone, they're like, how long is she? She's not even sitting it's like, in the camera. <laughs> they can really tell by the photo. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Less. So that's just humorous that your daughter has the opposite problem. Yeah. There's like not a single tall <laughs> But person. you're like 5'2", aren't you? I'm like 5'4". Okay. Sorry. Em- Sorry I shrunk everyone- you two inches. <laughs> All good. I feel like 5'2", like whatever. Anything over 5 is like female, standard female to me. Um, anything under 5, I think is short. So anyone listening, I think you're short. <laughs> you probably think I'm a giant then. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Anytime, and any, you know, when people are five, nine, I take that into account too. Um, we didn't talk about this, but I'm sure it came up where it was like, well, it's all well and good for you to compare yourself to this person and that person and say like, oh, but I'm eating this much. It's like homegirl, you're six yeah. foot. <laughs> yeah. But I think, <laughs> like <you're... laughs> I think that also has to do with like some of that perception is like, I'm mm. like, let's say me, you and I are standing next to each other. Like I'm so much taller than you that even if I was like, I felt like even if I was thin, I'm still big. If that makes sense. Like I'm just a big person. And that was something I had to just be like, it's fine. I'm just, that's why I'm just me. Yeah. You know, Uh and I have a sister-in-law who's six foot tall. She loves it. So She wore heels at their wedding. She's taller than her husband. It was great. Do whatever she wants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, She's beautiful. Absolutely. <laughs> the whole, yeah, the whole, like, that's just a whole other, it's a whole other thing. But appreciate it. Love your story. I hope people resonate. If you do, please let us know. Always happy to pass on feedback to the guests. So, you know, write us in and share. And everyone, subscribe to this. And all of that stuff that I never remember to say. 
Um, we will talk to you guys next week. And Shauna, thank you so much. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device. So you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are. And that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, Again, we do recommend manual temping, but once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, My wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop, and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and 
add on top of that maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.